Hi guys, you are listening to a belated and solo edition of the Dirty Sheets podcast this week. I'm doing it without Cav, I'm of course Billy. Spoke to Cav as we were going to do the show last week and we decided that because we did a double episode, we were going to take the week off. In addition to that, I haven't really watched much wrestling since WrestleMania. I watched the Raw after WrestleMania and then I went away on this crazy road trip where I watched three football matches in about six days. I watched um, Man City versus Bayern Munich, Manchester United versus Sevilla, and Nottingham Forest versus Manchester United. So I've been up north since last Monday and um, didn't want to record whilst I was away because I hadn't watched any of the product. I have caught up with everything now, apart from this Monday night's Raw. And there really isn't too much to say. A couple of things I will say, it does look like they are repackaging and repushing Nakamura once again. This was obviously going to be something that they did under Triple H. I think the ceiling for Nakamura would be getting a title match against Roman Reigns at some point. Whether too much damage has been done to him or not remains to be seen. I think we've seen the Nakamura show. I think we've seen... Too many losses to the Nakamura character. I think the invincibility factor isn't there. And I don't think that he'll be a believable character no matter what you do with him at this point. I think that ship has sailed. I don't see it as a SummerSlam match. I don't see it as a Money in the Bank match. I don't see it as a Saudi Arabia match. So it'd be interesting to see where or if that Nakamura title shot even happens and where it slots in. It's interesting to me that they are putting up Karrion Cross as his first opponent. Now, I don't think that that program is designed to put Karrion Cross over. I think Karrion Cross is playing the role of a tomato can in this program, which is very concerning if you're a fan of Karrion Cross because he hasn't really done anything since he's come onto the main roster. He has split matches with Drew McIntyre. He did a very, very short stint in the Royal Rumble. He wasn't on WrestleMania. He was in the Battle Royal, wasn't close to winning the Battle Royal. So I think if you're a Cross fan, you should be concerned. And um, I thought that he would be utilised a lot better. He was one of the biggest pushed superstars in NXT under Triple H, but it doesn't seem to be happening here on the main roster. And people complained the first time when it was under Vince and Vince dressed him up as a demolition character. And now people um, are, are suddenly ignoring it, ignoring the fact that Triple H doesn't know how to book his own guy, doesn't know how to book Johnny Gargano, doesn't know how to book Johnny Gargano's wife, doesn't know how to book a load of the people that he has re-signed. Speaking of which, we saw Matt Riddle resurface on television since WrestleMania, and Matt Riddle has already been beaten by Sola Sokoa. Now, I don't know if this is down to some of the stuff that's coming out on social media with his ex-girlfriend. His ex-girlfriend keeps posting out photos and videos of, of Matt Riddle and has even accused him of being back on the drugs because he socialised with a mutual friend of ours, um, OJ. Ollie Regis is his real name. Uh, I've known Ollie Regis for about 18 years and association with Ollie Regis doesn't mean you are taking drugs. Ollie Regis is a wrestling fan and a UFC fan and has known Matt Riddle since he was back in the UFC prior to him signing in the WWE. They've been friends for ages. Me and Ollie are friends with 
a lot of the wrestlers. There is a social element to wrestling as well. People always say, oh, well, they don't always say, but there's this, there's this narrative that, oh, Billy Barty goes to the hotels and stalks the wrestlers, uses his kids to get autographs. That's absolute fucking bullshit. First of all, um, I worked for the WWE after I did Big Brother. I appeared on house shows as a heel character. Prior to that, in my early 20s, yes, I would go down to the hotels and yes, I would get some photos and autographs, but at the same time, I would socialise with the wrestlers and this would lead to, um, I would go there with my friend Craig, we would drink with them, we would sort things out for them, I'm not going to go too deep into that, and after I um, worked for the WWE, I continued to sort certain things out for them through my other job where I worked as a club promoter. I would sort out guest lists for WWE guys. I would sort out venues for them to go to. Um, I would hook them up with bits and pieces when they would come over here. So there's always been a relationship there which exists way outside of wrestling. It's not about autographing. In fact, I don't think I've had a single picture or I think I had a picture, a few pictures on a night out in New Orleans, but I haven't had an autograph for myself since around about 2007. So this whole thing about using my kid and being in, being in the hotels and getting autographs or selling autographs. It's absolutely fucking bullshit. In fact, my friend Ollie isn't even an autographer. So this whole thing is utter nonsense. Um, I saw this clip that was put out by Sean Ross Sapp. Apparently somebody asked him a question about the whole situation with me. And I have never seen so many lies within a 15-minute period. I mean, this guy was talking complete and utter bullshit. Um, I was going to talk a little bit more about where we're at with the wrestling and what I've seen on television, but let me go on this little sap rant first and then we'll circle back round to the television product and then we'll probably close out and keep the show short. But um, Sap was saying that he wouldn't mention me again because I was thirsty for clout. I was a clout chaser. This is absolutely delusional and ridiculous beyond belief because there is only one dirt sheet out there, one person who could give me any clout whatsoever and his initials are D and M and that is the only person and that is because D M has existed since the 80s. DM was covering this whilst the WWE and WCW peaked and had 10 million viewers across their two shows on a Monday night. And he was covering wrestling at that time. He's been around since the 80s, I believe, and continues to be around and continues to be the most cited journalist to this day. He's been at wrestling through the ups, the downs, the peaks, everything. Everybody knows the name of Dave Meltzer. That's the only person who, by mentioning me, could give me any clout. None of you, none of the rest of you can give me any clout because I'm bigger and have been more relevant than all of the rest of you fucking clowns put together. Because I think it's very much overlooked. As I just mentioned, I've worked for the WWE off the back of something that I did previously. And that little tiny something just happens to be the biggest show, the biggest reality show in the history of this country. Eight million people 
at the peak of Big Brother, watched Big Brother, and the peak of Big Brother was between seasons six and eight, and I appeared in season eight. And the opening night of my series was the record setter for ratings with 8.4 million people tuning in and 6.7 million people watching my eviction when I left the house. So who the fuck do you think I'm chasing for clout when I've been on television and my name is known by eight and a half million people in my country and not just eight and a half random people, eight and a half million randoms. Because the show isn't watched by under 16s. The show isn't watched by over 65s. The show isn't even really watched by that many men. So you're talking about women between the ages of 18 to 45, primarily making up the demographic that watches that show. And let me tell you something, that's a lot of fun when all of those women have watched you on television. When around about five and a half million of that audience is women of an age category that you would be interested in meeting up with or, or seeing out and about. That's a lot of fun for me, and it was. So don't be thinking that I need any clout from a loser like you. You are completely irrelevant in comparison to everything that I have done and have maintained a media career for 16 years, from going to Big Brother, to appearing on multiple shows that I got off the back of that, to remaining as a pundit that Big Brother used because I am capable of speaking publicly and eloquently on the television. And I remained a pundit for eight years after I was evicted from the show. For eight years, Endemol continued to use me on television, along with other TV shows, along with being issued my own porn series as the face of Television X, along with being one of the most successful club promoters in this country, running the London scene all the way up until 2013, before being headhunted by Head Candy, one of the biggest brands in the world, to run their bar in Brighton, to being headhunted by Gallery in Maidstone to launch one of the biggest exclusive VIP clubs in the UK. That's what I've been doing. And I don't need the clout of Sean Ross Sapp or Ryan Satin or anybody. People that cover wrestling during a time where it generates 1.7 to 2.2 million viewers. And at a maximum, out of those people between 1.7 and 2.2 million viewers, only 10% of that audience know who the fuck you are. So let's compare the number of 200,000 to the 8 million who know who I am, you fucking moron. So no, I don't chase clout from you. I don't chase clout from anybody. I've stayed on television for eight years. I've been on podcasting since 2014. I built the fucking steel cage off my back because there were a bunch of fucking no fat nobody balding losers that didn't have any audience until I came along and bought across my audience off the back of what I did on television, off the back of my verified Twitter, and then built the dirty sheets off the back of that. Was hired by Wrestling Inc., but they were too woke to keep me. Was hired by Sportskeeda and left to turn the dirty sheets into its own Patreon page. Was then asked to go on to Vince Russo's show. I didn't ask Vince. Russo asked me and was then asked to go on to Keeping It 100, whilst the whole time being one of the main people on the Sports Gambling Podcast, one of the biggest gambling podcasts in the world. So 
I ain't chasing clout from you, you fucking clown. So this will be the last time that I talk about you unless there is any other incident that happens possibly when you decide to show your face in London. So we'll see how that goes down. But why don't you ask Ryan Satin how things went down for him when my son, when there was no risk of my son being alone when I was arrested for doing something in the US because my son was actually with, who I mentioned earlier, Ollie Regis and a couple of my other friends that were with me in LA and they were able to look after him and there would have been no situation where had I had any issues with the police, Austin would have been alone well, I would have been in a jail cell. Austin would have been with the police. No, this time was very, very different. And this time, nobody wanted to go anywhere near me. Ryan Satin literally shit his pants and tried to hide behind a car when he saw me. But that wasn't enough for me to stop to, to stop him being confronted. And Sean Ross Sapp, funnily enough, he completely stayed away from me this time on this trip. And his recollection of what happened last time is a complete joke. Let me ask you, where the fuck do you think my kid was when you approached me at WrestleCon? Do you think I left him in a fucking hotel room? Do you think he was wandering around WrestleCon by himself? No, he sat down on the table right by, right opposite where the confrontation happens. His confrontation was heavily edited. Sap has decided to edit out his wife, probably because she's fucking ugly. One of the ugliest girls I've ever seen in my life. If I was him, I'd be embarrassed to be married to her as well. But um, that's probably why you see the unedited version. You only see an edited version. The unedited version would also t- would also show you me asking him to step outside on at least eight occasions, which he did not. And at the end of the day, the entire thing between him and that little four-eyed little fuck, Brian Zane, was all set up to try and get me arrested. I'm not punching somebody on camera. I'm not punching somebody on camera in a foreign country. I'm not punching somebody on a holiday where I'm there with my son four hours before I'm supposed to take him to SummerSlam. I am not a fucking moron. But if you want to come to England where my son will be with his mum or can go back to his mum or whatever, if you want to come down to England and do it, let's fucking do it. And your recollection of other things completely warped as well. You have one of your fucking... um, one of your rats, this, this Sher- whatever her name is, Cheryl or Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl Ann or fuck knows. I don't even know the girl um, following me around, filming me, filming my kids, telling me I'm in her hotel. I stayed in the WrestleCon hotel for two nights, the Millennium Biltmore. I then stayed in the WWE hotel for two nights. If I had not been in the WWE hotel, I would not have had a key card to be able to go into the lifts because the lifts in that hotel do not go up and down without a key card. Therefore, I would not have been able to use a gym. I would not even have been able to get up and down to my room and there would not have been any incident where I was in a lift with Conan, something that Conan spoke about on the show. So none of this is true. I decided to be in one hotel because we were doing our WrestleCon stuff. I decided to be in the second hotel because it was near the crypto arena and because the WWE was staying there. And unlike you, where you pretend that these people talk to you and tell you these things and you pretend that Karrion Cross said that he chewed me out or whatever, Karrion Cross didn't say shit. Karrion Cross told me about being more sensitive about stories that I put out. I spoke about this conversation with Karrion Cross to people in the WWE, and you know what? Karrion Cross's position, I think, is very different to what it probably would have been before, seeing as he got exposed as being an oversensitive little baby. 
So had Karrion Cross not had that conversation with me, I wouldn't have told people at WWE about it and perhaps Karrion Cross would have been booked a little bit better. So I don't think Karrion Cross is in any way a winner from having that conversation with me. So Sean Ross Tap again, talking absolute fucking bullshit. Talking absolute bullshit about me stalking a hotel or not staying in a hotel. I, I was in three hotels, actually. I was in one different hotel when I landed because I was landing so late. I decided just to stay in the um, Hollywood Historic. And I also always wanted to stay in the hotel to, to have a look at it. Was also, um, it was also very um, useful for our itinerary because the itinerary was to stay in the Hollywood Historic, to go and do the Hollywood Walk of Fame and the Hollywood sign do Universal Studios, move over to the Biltmore, do the WrestleCon stuff, move over to the, um, I forget even where, where it was, I believe it was a Marriott, move over to the Marriott, uh, and then be right by the, the Crypto Arena. So everything was set out to be where we needed to be within walking distance. That's why we continually moved hotels. I don't need to explain it. Nobody's entitled to this explanation. But um, if you think in any way I'm traveling to LA and also paying the flight and the tickets and everything for a child, and if any way you think I'm trying to save pennies or I'm short of money, again, you are very much fucking deluded. I made my money in 2007 going on the biggest fucking reality TV show in this country, a show that, as I already said, continued to use me on television until the show stopped as a pundit every single year without fail. And they will probably call me again when the show comes back because I'm capable of standing in front of a camera and being able to talk properly, unlike most of the morons who go on that fucking show. So again, I think that briefly addresses everything that this fucking idiot had to turn around and say. This will also be the last time I speak about him unless any other incident comes about. But I think it's very clear. Saturn doesn't want none. Sap doesn't want one. None of these people are, are about it whatsoever. If they were, they'd come to England and they would say, I'd meet you here, there, which is something that I'm prepared to do with every single one of them. If you want to fucking go, let's go. Anytime, any place doesn't make a difference. All it needs to be is, is organized and agreed upon so that there can be no accusation that I assaulted you. Because I'm not assaulting anybody. I'm not walking up to anybody throwing a punch, particularly on camera. Might fucking go and smack you in the back of the head off camera in a hotel corridor or a back alley. But um, no, I'm not going to be doing it on camera like a fucking idiot. So I think that's the last time that I'm going to address him or anything that he had to say. The guy's a fucking dork. The guy's content is fucking unbearable. Everybody that he works with is unbearable. And there's this whole other narrative as well. And um, I'll get onto it because it's more of a general thing that exists through the old IWC. Billy Barty is a racist. Billy Barty is homophobic. Billy Barty is transphobic. Only one of those is probably anywhere remotely correct. Uh, as for the other two... Yeah, absolutely and utterly ridiculous. Billy Barty is a racist. Now, I've never thought turning around and saying that I have black friends is a defence for, for racism because I think it's a, a weak one, even if it is a true one. But what could be a good defence for not being a racist is the fact that black men, black men are tattooed onto my fucking skin. The tattoos of black 
men are on my fucking body. I have a dad who was born in Africa. As a child, I would regularly, every two years, take holidays to Nairobi to go back and see my family from where he lived and grew up. But at the same time, if that's not enough for you, maybe the black men, the tattoos of Mr. T and Michael Jackson and Mike Tyson, which has been signed by Mike Tyson and re-tattooed on, that exist on my arm, might be enough to convince you that I am no kind of racist. Just because I call a guy a coconut, that really implicates that he is the one who isn't true to his black roots. He is, I, I, I don't see Will Washington as anywhere near uh, a good representation of the, the black community. The guy is a fucking coconut. He's a white dude in a black person's body. That is the definition of coconut. There's nothing racist about turning around and saying some guy has no fucking um, identity, no links to his roots, yet he goes out there and he cries and he only uses his blackness to cry about the lack of opportunities and the lack of, um, and, the, and the unfair treatment that black people are receiving in wrestling. Well, how the fuck do you work that one out? Because for me, I don't see Kofi Kingston as ever being a WWE champion unless he was black because that's the only reason that Kofi Kingston received that opportunity. And when you have true studs out there like Bobby Lashley, who's in his mid-40s but is in ridiculous shape and somebody they should have pulled the trigger with and somebody who they should have pushed years and years ago and are now having to do it in his 40s because they've missed this peak, that is the shame. That is a shame. And it's a shame that... A lot of black guys were not trusted with the ball back in the day because a lot of top superstars that could work and that could talk have have not managed to be given have not been given that opportunity to run with the ball. But yet Kofi Kingston was. So there's a lot of black people at the moment who are overpushed in both companies. Yet you cry that there's not enough of them. What is the percentage of black people across America? And then look at the percentage of hires across the two major wrestling companies in the, uh, in the US. There's a huge discrepancy. They are deliberately making a ploy to hire as many black people as they possibly can and to push them into prominent positions to make sure that they continually have black champions. I don't think Bianca Belair is in any way or anywhere near as over as Becky Lynch. Is she a better wrestler? Debatable. Is she, has she got a better look? No, not in my opinion. Is she better on the mic? Absolutely not. But Bianca Belair is the epitome of that and, and trying to fulfill this quota. And there are a lot of quota hires and there are a lot of quota pushes and there is nothing racist about saying that. It's suddenly become racist to state the facts. If I turn around and say that, most of the that there's a there's the, the percentage of crimes committed by black people is far too high for the number of black people that actually populate the US apparently that's racist to quote statistical data but if you turn around and say most of the people that are fucking lunatics that go and shoot up at schools are psycho white boys 
That's an absolutely fine analogy. You can't be racist to white people to say that it's the white boys that are the ones that are killing all the fucking kids in the schools. But say anything about black people, it's suddenly racist and you are a racist. It doesn't matter if you've got black men on your skin. It doesn't matter if you support black players that play for your soccer teams It doesn't, or any other sports. It doesn't matter if you have black friends. You can immediately be tagged as racist for quoting what is a statistical fact. As for the homophobia, I literally lived with gay people in the Big Brother house. When I came out, I had a gay following. I continually hosted the the, the nights at GAY, which is a gay club in London. I appeared in Attitude magazine. I had absolutely no issue with doing it whatsoever. So there is no fucking homophobia from me just because I don't believe in virtue signaling. And that goes across for the multicolor flag. That goes across for the, the Ukraine flag. That goes across every single other flavor of the month that everybody seems to jump on. But as soon as you say that the, the rainbow flag is one of the things that one of the bandwagons that we're jumping on, I'll suddenly... I am homophobic. Well, no, it's just become a case of suddenly it's become quite, it's become cool to be gay. Suddenly it's become this in thing to push this upon everybody, to to put gays at the forefront of, of social media and advertising campaigns, along with the, the transgenders that we see on advertising campaigns, along with putting these fat girls on, on modeling shoots. Models aren't fat, models are thin. There's no, there's, no, there's no body positivity in being a fat cunt. You need to lose some weight or you're going to fucking die, you fat piece of shit. There's nothing body positive about sticking fat people on advertising campaigns. And to stick, um, to, to stick gays and, and transgenders and all these people at the forefront of things and to award um, transgender men, men who have transitioned into women, awards of women of the year or best female this or best female that, it is fucking bullshit and this agenda is bullshit and it's one step away from us going to the next level which is okaying this 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 pedophilia because we've already turned around and said that don't call them pedophiles call them minor attracted people why what's the fucking difference why do we need to have a um, a term to protect these people because if you ask me um, if five years ago, we wouldn't know what a boy or a girl is and we'd have 27 things to identify as, I would have fucking laughed in your face. Now, if you last laugh in people's faces, you're a transphobe, you're a homophobe, you're this, you're that. I ain't none of these things. I'm not a racist. I'm not a homophobe. And if calling out transgenders and saying that it's a mental disorder to go against what you're born as, to say, no, I'm not a man, even if you look down and say, oh, hey, there's my penis, or oh, hey, there's no penis there, and for you to dispute what is scientific fact, and wanting me to call you sir or madam when you are not a sir or a madam, and you want me to delude myself to appease your mental illnesses and delusions, I'm not going to do that. And because I won't do that, if you want to say I'm a transphobe, that's the only one that I will fucking take on the chin and say, okay, by modern day standards, I will be a transphobe. That's fine. 
give it to me. If you want to label me and call me something, I'll take that one on the chin. But fuck you, I'm not going to be taking the other two. I'm none of those two things. So that's the that's the rant section of the show over. We'll circle back round to um, to the wrestling as I was trying to make my my observations. Uh, we're still doing news bits, obviously, over on the datasheets.com. We reported that the, the Trish Hill turn was imminent and now she will go on to a program with Becky Lynch. Um, there are some contracts coming up at the moment. We know that Drew McIntyre's contract is coming to an end at the end of the year. McIntyre had a five-year contract from uh, from 2018. So obviously that will be coming to an end around about November. We know that Becky Lynch signed a new deal for three years at the start of 2020 and then was immediately pregnant. So that deal was actually put on hold. And when Becky Lynch returns, that's when the three years began again. So her contract will expire around about some time in 2024, depending on how long it was rolled over for and whatnot. I do believe she did work about three months under that contract before she ended up getting pregnant. So it's a contentious issue in terms of how long she'll have left when we get into 2024. But Becky's contract will be coming to an end because she signed for three years because it was designed to match Seth Rollins' contract because Seth Rollins has a five-year contract that he signed around about the time that he was giving the WWE title in 2019. His contract was coming to an end uh, and he re-signed it at the same time as Ambrose's and we know that Ambrose didn't sign his. So those Shield contracts, they all kind of expire at the same time except for Roman because he had the period out with leukemia. So Roman Reigns' contract actually expires in 2025. So he has an extra two years left. So it'd be interesting to see how they manage the situation with the WWE title. We know that uh, Cody Rhodes has moved over to Brock Lesnar. I haven't had a chance to see what Brock Lesnar did on Raw this week. I know he came out dressed up as the as the Undertaker. <laughs> a lot of people joke that he picked up the Undertaker gear from WrestleMania 33 and, and put it on, which I found quite funny. But um, yeah, I still need to catch up with that edition of Raw. I really have no more takeaways from it. I guess we are kind of in a holding period until the draft. And um, we will catch up with everything on this week's edition of the Dirty Sheets. Me and Cav will be back on recording our show on Friday, which will be available for some of you late Friday night, but for most of you uh, on Saturday. So 100% make sure you do download that show because I'll be back with Cav on, um, on, on Friday, Saturday. So this was really only designed for me to, to have this rant while I am ranting, I may as well um, address the, the keeping it 100 situation. Um, the situation there is, is relatively clear. Um, for a podcast that, that say they're, they're keeping it 100, they, they don't do that. And I had multiple issues with them in terms of reading certain emails on one portion of the show and then hiding other emails and putting them on the other portion of the show. Now, people tell me behind the paywall that the show is more balanced and positive emails are read. Well, on the free feed, which most people listen to because they don't subscribe to your Patreon, you are deliberately handpicking out all of those negative emails. And that was something that was deliberately done by Joe. Joe Feeney, for a while, has been uncomfortable with having me on the show because of what happened at StarCast last year with the Sean Ross Sapp situation. And it was some heat on him because he, he works with a lot of other podcasters. And the guy isn't the, isn't the bravest. He's not going to fucking puff his chest out and and 
and, you know, and go to war. He kind of just buckled down. And for him, it's easier not to have this controversial person on the show. So despite my requests constantly to balance out the emails because you're making me look like a moron, uh, they did not do it. And the main negative about that is the fact that I don't give a fuck about wrestling. Um, wrestling news is wrestling news. It's very, very unrewarding. You get nine things right and one thing wrong, and people will focus primarily on what you get wrong. Uh, my Patreon page costs $5 a month. My gambling page costs $125 a month. What do you think my priority is going to be? It's always going to be sports betting. So I don't give a fuck about the wrestling side of things, but if you portray someone as a clown on a continuous basis, and you continue to read negative emails about that, for me, in my opinion, it builds up an image of a clown. It builds up the image of mistrust. It builds up the image of a person that you don't want to invest in with your hard-earned cash. So when I'm coming on there and talking about lock betting and talking about my 118 months of profit and the money that people are making over there, yet these people are deciding on their own show to read out these negative emails about me, it's going to make people more reluctant to invest in my service, which is the whole point of me being there. Not to mention that since I've been on K100, I had my lock betting Patreon account cancelled because suddenly there were reports um, to Patreon about my gambling site and how it guaranteed profits and people claiming that they did not make those profits, which is bullshit because everybody fucking did because there's a spreadsheet to tell you that we have made 118 months in a row of transparent track profit. It's undisputed. Hundreds of members can verify it. So now I have to run lockbetting.com as an actual website. You can sign up at Gumroad. You can sign up via the website. People actually prefer the service. They're getting all their picks through WhatsApp. But Keeping 100 did not sympathize with that situation. They did not hold back with the emails. They did not understand that I was going through a rebuild. They did not understand that these emails were damaging my reputation. They did not give a fuck that these people were coming after my son on his Instagram. Now, what kind of podcast doesn't give a fuck that an 11-year-old kid is being abused by audience members? What kind of podcast ignores the fact that these people are not from your audience that they are a fightful audience, they are a steel cage audience, they are a Ryan Satin audience, that they are coming across, they are haters that have followed me and stalked me around from podcast to podcast for the last seven or eight years. And they followed me over to Russo's show. Russo had the common sense to never read any of that bullshit out. He would only tell me about it privately. But these guys decide that they're going to fucking read everything from somebody who they want to have on their show as a credible source of wrestling and the the main person at the front of K100 Sports. Now, I believe by not doing the show that this would all get resolved because they wanted to keep on K100 Sports. But they've decided to carry on temporarily with K100, K100 Sports whilst I'm not doing the show. How can you do a show which is supposed to be built around a sports expert? There's a different difference between sports fans and sports experts. I'm an expert. For 118 months in a row, I've shown a transparent track profit in sports betting. I work on the Sports Gambling Podcast. I host the Fight Show. I host the Soccer Gambling Podcast. For years and years and years and years, I've made people money in sports betting. I'm, a, I'm an analyst. I sit there in the morning. I wake up. I go over sports data. I do it every single day. 
Now you're going to attempt to do the show without me because I turn around and say to you, I no longer want to cover wrestling. Fuck this wrestling audience. When I come back from WrestleMania, I only want to do the sports. And you're going to just continue doing the sports without me because um, I, I criticize a Mexican wrestler who works for Conan, who did debut on AEW with no promotion who wasn't um, showcased properly in terms of explaining to a casual audience why this was a dream match. Because all I saw was a Mexican wrestler who was very small wrestling, a backyard wrestling style. Do I hate backyard wrestling? No. I bought every single DVD of backyard wrestling when it was a thing in the early 2000s. But should that be what AEW are telling me is a dream match with Kenny Omega when I don't know who the fucking guy is? The guy doesn't have a good look. He's not very big. The the style he wrestles doesn't make any sense. But suddenly, it's okay for Bret Hart to come out and say the same thing. Bret Hart comes out, talks about how shit wrestling is, talks about how he doesn't like the fact that someone um, jumps onto the top rope and leaps onto 20 guys and they all sell it. That's fine. And, And obviously... That's Bret Hart. I ain't no fucking Bret Hart. I don't have the career of Bret Hart. I've not done what Bret Hart has done. I'm definitely not as respected as Bret Hart, but I made the exact same observation. And Conan turns around and says, I don't want to do the show anymore. So I speak to Disco about it and and we come to the agreement that um, it's better that I just do the sports. But in my absence, the sports continues to carry on. So you're going to continue to listen to a show with three guys who don't know anything about sport, that are just sports fans, whilst the expert who pitched the show and the show was built around sits on the sidelines waiting for you to tell him to come back in. Well, I won't be going back to do that show until I now receive an apology for this shit because there was absolutely no reason for me to have to have those emails, for me to hear those emails to be continually read out when they are not from the K100 audience. There was no effort to balance those emails out. So at the moment, the thing is at a standstill. They're expecting some kind of fucking apology from me. I'm refusing to go on and do the wrestling. They need me to do the sports show. Otherwise, it's just three sports fans and nobody cares about their opinion talking about sports. And the only person that matters is me. So if this continues... The solution is going to be that I will do that sports show away from keeping it 100 and I will do that sports show by myself or not by myself, but with my own guys over on locked betting. So it's going to be another week until I make my decision. There's a big fight this weekend um, with, uh, with, with Tank Davis fighting against uh, Ryan Garcia. If I'm not on for that, which is a significant fight, something that we've spoken about for a while, if this thing isn't resolved this week, then I will be starting my own show, which covers all sports. Now, we know that I do individual shows where me and Cav cover the NFL and I do the Bundesliga over on the Lock Betting feed and over on the Sports Gambling podcast, I do cover the EPL and whatnot, but I don't have this general all sports show. So I am going to be doing that show. It's going to be the exact same show I do on Keep It 100. Instead of just um, three sports fans that, that can't eloquently talk about sports, I'm going to be doing it with people that are justify, justifiable hosts, justifiable people to come on and talk about sports. So that's going to be how that one ends up. And um, I'm not the cause of that issue. Suddenly, it's okay to keep it 100 and say what you want, especially when it comes to being negative about me. 
but criticise a little Mexican wrestler who came on to AEW and they told me it was a dream match and it was a match that I didn't give a fuck about and was not impressed with what I saw and gave my opinion, suddenly everybody wants to cry about it and I'm not allowed to come on the show for a few weeks. Well, a few weeks is now four weeks. Four weeks will become five weeks and eventually I will be doing that sports show by myself. And I'll even look into doing a little bit of wrestling stuff with Vince Russo again, because quite frankly, even though the audience was less, I was far, far happier talking to Vince than I ever was talking to these guys. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. So that's it for this edition of the show. All of my stuff can be found in the usual places to get all of your wrestling stuff. Head over to thedatasheets.com. We are putting out stories at the moment. There is an update on Randy Orton. There is a rumor killer for both Cody Rhodes and Money in the Bank. Some bullshit stories being put out about who's the front runner to win Money in the Bank. Absolute bullshit. I squashed the bullshit over on the on the on the Patreon page, thedatasheets.com. Um, also, as I said, story about Randy Orton and where he fits into creative and his health status and whatnot at the moment. For all of my betting stuff, as per usual, head over to lockbetting.com. We do have 118 months in a row of transparent tracks profit. So if you want to sign up for the service, there are various ways to do it. Shoot me a DM actually on my Twitter account at lockbetting.com and I'll tell you about some discounts that we have over at Gumroad for long-term package people, three months, six months, or if you want to go for the 12-month package. If not, you can just sign up for the month. Just go to lockbetting.com and sign up and I will add you to the WhatsApp group. That's it for me. Thanks for listening, guys.